Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, May 22nd of 2019, and we've got a bunch of things to discuss in the world of SEO and digital marketing. Um, We're going to talk about a really interesting article that came out on Search Engine Journal just recently about how Google's algorithms work. And there's a lot of theory in this article, but there's some very interesting stuff that might help to explain why some sites can see massive hits Uh, when an algorithm update happens. And so I'm going to give you my thoughts on that. We'll talk about the updated quality raters guidelines. Most of you listening to this probably know that our team here are really, really big fans of Google's quality raters guidelines. And so whenever they update, we pay close attention to that. So I'll tell you what has changed and uh, what we can potentially take advantage of or what we should be heading towards in terms of our marketing efforts, um, you know, for the next year or so. And uh, we'll talk about another Google indexing bug and uh, other Google news like that. So let's start off with algorithm updates. We thought that perhaps there was a very minor algorithm update on May 14th of 2019. When we looked at our Google Analytics for all of the clients and past clients that we have access to, um, we noticed that a few of our clients were seeing changes on May 14th. They're very minor changes and many of them could be attributed to seasonality. Um, A lot of our clients actually saw some slight decreases at this time. Um, A couple of our clients saw slight increases. I don't think it's enough uh, to call a significant update at this point. Um, And who knows, maybe it is related to some of the indexing bugs that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, But uh, I don't really think that May 14th was a big update. That said, when we did our algorithm update checks, that was yesterday, so May 21st, it kind of looked like May 20th was shaping up to be maybe an algorithm update. So uh, it's too soon. We really need a good several days of uh, traffic patterns in order to say whether an update happened. And often in some cases, we need even a few weeks uh, to fully assess the severity of it. Um, I feel though like we've had more requests for help and I don't know if that's just because I've been more uh, doing more speaking and more uh, public engagements or whether there actually is uh, something going on with the algorithms. So, um, you know, this is not the last time we had a real significant update was March 12th of 2019 and uh I think probably we'll get some updates coming up soon. Um, So let's actually talk about the fact that uh, Google updated their quality raters guidelines. So as soon as this happened, I had people all over the place sending me tweets and emails saying, hey, I'm sure you want to know the quality raters guidelines updated. Um, So we actually have a process in place where we check that, uh, you know, regularly. And my my team's on the quality raters guidelines several times a day. So so sure enough, when my team came in, uh, Cassie, said to me, hey, the uh, quality readers guidelines have updated. She sent me this message on Slack. And as always happens, uh, when something big happens with Google, I was traveling. (laughs) So I actually went to Montreal this weekend to see Pink in concert. If any of you are trying to decide whether to go see Pink, it was absolutely the best show I've ever seen. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic show. Um, But anyway, so I had the whole train ride to look at what's changed and uh, my team went back and forth with uh, uh, diff checker and looking at what's new. 
Um, and there were a lot of changes. So sometimes when Google changes the quality raters guidelines, what they do is they, um, uh, you know, maybe just change the odd little bit of wording. And there were some wording changes that may not be significant. For example, uh, in one place, the quality raters are now instructed to wear proper headphones. Um, and I had wondered if maybe this could be uh, meaning that the quality raters are going to start assessing voice search results as well. Um, I think probably, though, it's more to to test whether websites are working properly. One of the things that's in the guidelines is the raters are told to look at whether tools and widgets and quizzes and things like that are actually fun functioning on the website. Um, and so uh, probably it's not a big significant thing, but it's important to you know note maybe. Uh, and so we'll see if, uh, if anything comes of that. Um, one of the very interesting changes that we noted was that uh, Google added the word interstitials to a couple of places. Um, so interstitials, uh, I think most of you know this, but those are full page or almost full screen ads that appear on mobile. Um, so if you land from search on a website and immediately you have a full page pop up that's essentially an ad, or even uh, I think Google recognizes the legal ones that are necessary. So if you're, you know, an adult website or um, uh, something that requires an age check, uh, those probably are fine if you're required to have them by law. Um, but if you have an interstitial that's essentially an ad and people have to close the interstitial before they can see your actual content, then this can be something that can actually cause you to not rank properly. And Glenn Gabe has pointed this out in the past that when the interstitial algorithm first came out, it was supposed to make it so that sites showing interstitials really had a hard time ranking. And that, that the algorithm really doesn't have much teeth. Um, and so we see a lot of sites that are still getting away with using full page interstitials and it doesn't seem to have affected their ranking ability. I am betting that that's going to change. And I think Google probably added these words to the quality raters guidelines because it's something they want to assess uh, more deeply. And then the last thing that I think is really significant. Um, we have a whole article on this. If you go to our blog, mariehaines.com slash blog, you'll find an article on everything that we felt was significant that changed. I could probably do a whole podcast episode just on, on this alone. Um, well, the most important thing, though, is that a lot of the mentions of EAT were actually changed to, say, page quality. Um, now, they haven't completely gotten rid of EAT. And in fact, EAT is on more pages in the guides guideline now than it was in the last uh, the last edition. Um, but they've really uh, changed a lot of the things to, say, page quality rather than EAT. So I had a few people tweet at me and say, oh, no, does this mean EAT is done? And no. I mean, I, I think there's two possible reasons why this change happened. One could be that it may just be more clarification for the quality raters. If they're trying to assess pages, um, I mean, EAT is primarily for the quality of the author of the page, uh, you know, the expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness of the author and also the brand or the business itself. Um, and so that doesn't leave a lot of room for uh, understanding which pages actually are more helpful than others. So one of the examples that was given was uh, as a, an example of a high quality page would be the Marriott's own website. So if you were trying to book a hotel room or you're trying to get information about the Marriott hotel in a particular city, then Google wants to rank the Marriott's own site properly. They want to rank it well. Um, now let's say I decided I wanted to start a website uh, to teach people all about um, tips for travel. 
And uh, there's tons of stuff. There's really a lot of opportunity here. I'll tell you, when I go to, uh, I mean, I travel a lot. And I think there's a lot of things that I try to find. I try to find, you know, what is the quality of uh, the beds at this hotel? Um, Where's the best place to get a good room? And I know TripAdvisor does some stuff where, you know, they have the top tips that uh, people will say, hey, if you get a room on the west side of the hotel, it's more quiet or it has a better view, something like that. So let's say I created a website that has all of this information and it's way more valuable. Um, And I have the whole page on what the checkout times are for every single Marriott. Um, So let's say you wanted to find out what the checkout time was and my document actually answers questions better than the Marriott's. Who do you think is going to rank better? And, you know, I think a lot of SEOs would say, well, my document should rank better because it's more helpful. But really, uh, Google's algorithms recognize that the Marriott is really the best place to go for that information. They're the official website. If something changes, I'm not necessarily going to know that. Um, And unless I have insane authority as being known as the world's leading expert on Marriott hotels, then probably I'm not going to be able to outrank that content. But We think that Google is maybe going to soften up EAT requirements um, for content that doesn't necessarily have to be YMYL. Uh, And so, um, you know, maybe if you're selling a product that doesn't cost hundreds or thousands of dollars um, and you're an expert in the product, uh, but you don't really have, you know, any schooling or um, you have informal expertise, it seems like Google is going to be trying to measure that a little bit better. I still think they are. Um, I think that, you know, if you were an expert in something that doesn't have schooling, well, for example, you know, I'm considered an expert in SEO. Uh, I have never gone to university for SEO. I've never, uh, I've taken some online courses, but nothing too crazy, right? So I don't have formal um, letters behind my name that say, yes, she's well known as an SEO, um, but I have mentions and recommendations from other people who are uh, recognized as experts in SEO. Um, And so that can happen for pretty much any field that you need other people online to be recognizing you as a subject matter expert. So I think that in the um, months to come, I mean, almost every time Google updates the quality raters guidelines, there's some type of a big algorithm update that's going to be happening uh, that reflects these changes. Um, One of my team, Dylan, actually had a thought that I wonder if the March 12th update had to do with Google's um, being better able to assess page quality as a separate thing to EAT. And the reason, you know, it really made sense why he said that, because um, if we look at, we have some clients where we did site quality reviews for these sites, and we said, look, you are never, I mean, these were sites that were competing against WebMD and Mayo Clinic, and we said, you're never going to have the EAT that the authors at WebMD have, or that the medical reviewers have at, at Mayo Clinic. Um, and we really don't think that EAT is going to improve for this site. And some of these sites actually saw significant improvements in rankings. Um, They haven't recovered to fully where they were before they were hit with algorithm updates. Uh, But on March 12th, some of these sites that we felt were never going to have good EAT actually saw significant bumps up in traffic. So we think what's happening is um, Google maybe got better at recognizing that, yeah, you know, even though this person isn't, doesn't have a medical degree, 
they do have some expertise that we can trust in this matter. So whether that happened on March 12th, I think that's a possibility, or whether there's going to be a future update to reward on-page quality and maybe put a little bit less emphasis on EAT uh, for queries that are not strongly YMYL, I think that that's a possibility. So this is a lot of speculation and we'll see what happens in the months to come, um, you know, and we'll uh, we'll look at future algorithm updates through this sort of filter of uh, what's changed in the quality raters guidelines. Let's get on to a bit more news now. So I mentioned there's another indexing bug. This bug is affecting Google News and it may be fixed by the time you're listening to this podcast. Uh, so this morning, again, May 22nd, Barry Schwartz Schwartz noticed that um, news sites, usually news sites will have their content indexed almost immediately uh, if you're an authoritative news site, and it was taking hours for content to get indexed. So that's not good. I mean, if there's breaking news, uh, Google would not be able to show it, and we don't want news to take three to four hours to appear. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, the issue was, but I do think that Google is working on it, um, and it's probably fixed by now. Uh, I would really love to know what's causing all these. You know, when we talked to Martin Split, at uh, he came to uh, have lunch with my team and and uh, a few other local SEOs, um, Martin from Google, and he said that really the de-indexing bug was just a series of things that, you know, one thing happened in the code and that changed this and then that changed this and um, a bunch of unfortunate events happened. And so I still think Google's changing their code base or something, uh, you know, that cause all of these bugs. Um, who knows? Maybe it's a scale thing too. I, I can't imagine how many trillions of pages Google has to uh, deal with. Um, so maybe it's a, you know, maybe they have servers melting down somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see what else we'll talk about here. Uh, there's also a bug still that's affecting uh, the ability to see your cache for your site. We talked about this last week that if you search for cache, C-A-C-H-E colon, uh, and then your website or a particular page, you can see what Google's got uh, cached for your site. So Danny Sullivan commented on this earlier this week, and he said, we're aware of this and expect it will be corrected soon. Um, he also said it has no impact on indexing as they Google has fresher versions indexed. So I think the point here is if your cache pages are not right, you probably can ignore that. Although I wouldn't ignore it 100% uh, because sometimes that can be a sign that something's going wrong with Google's ability to render a site. Um, But it's good to know that there is some type of a, a bug there. This seems like it's big news and uh, nobody was really talking about it. It looks like Google is changing um, uh, how they show image refers, refers in Google Analytics. So previously, if you had visitors from image search, you would see in Google Analytics uh, that it would come from, I think it's images.google.com would be the referrer. Um, And that's changed. So Google updated a blog post. uh, This was in, gosh, the post was published in July of last year. AJ Khan pointed this out. And here's the, uh, the part that was added. It says, update. After testing and further consideration, we have determined that the best place to measure query and click traffic from Google Images is in the Search Console performance report. Accordingly, we will continue to use uh, https colon slash slash www.google.com or the appropriate CCTLD, so google.ca or .co.uk, as the referrer URL for all traffic from Google Images. 
and will not be providing a Google Images specific referrer URL such as images.google.com. Um, so that's important if you care about image search. Uh, so what Google's saying is they want us to be using Search Console to determine how our images are performing rather than Google Analytics. Uh, that's what I interpret from that. Um, so again, if you're trying to figure out what's going on with your image search and your Google Analytics is showing a massive drop in uh, referral traffic from Google Images, it may not be a problem. It may just be that it's being reported uh, in a slightly different way. Um, let's talk a little bit about how-to schema. There's a bit of confusion. There's a new type of schema that you can implement now. And in the newsletter, we've linked to a guide that Brody Clark created uh, to tell you how to implement how-to schema. Um, and uh, Casey Marquis, who does a lot of work with recipe sites, uh, was asking, you know, can we use how-to schema to mark up recipes. It totally makes sense to me, right? His example was how to roast a chicken. Well, you'd think you'd want steps and you know how to schema. Uh, and then um, Daniel Weisberg from Google replied that how to schema is not for recipes uh, and you should be using recipe markup only. So, um, be known <laughs> that that's what, uh, uh, what has to be happening if you have a recipe site. Um, another interesting thing that uh, I have not noticed before, Earl Gray tweeted at John Mueller asking why in Search Console, um, actually he asked Webmaster Tools, I have a funny story, I'm going to come back to that, why he asked in Webmaster Tools is uh, certain links are being shown as a 404, but he had marked them as a 410. So let's talk about the difference there uh, for those of you who do not know. A four, this is actually one of the first mistakes I made in an article that I wrote. I remember I wrote an article years ago about uh, the fact that if you 404 a link, um, you're basically doing the same as removing a link. Uh, and uh, or if you 404 the page that a, a link target lands on. Um, and I totally neglected to talk about 410s. Uh, and so 404 means you're telling Google this page um, no longer exists, but it could come back at some point. 410 is saying this page is gone and it's never coming back. Essentially, I think Google treats them the same. I think they may perhaps recrawl a 404 page a little more frequently. And then eventually they figure out like, there's no point in us crawling all this all the time because it's gone. So um, John Mueller's response was, yeah, I think this is a simplification we do in that particular output. Um, and then he said, also, what status code do we have to show to make you stop saying webmaster tools? I have to laugh because I, f I have a notification in my calendar um, that says revisit this tweet. And it's a tweet from, I think, four years ago where I was talking with Rand Fishkin. And I said, I bet you it takes me four years to stop saying webmaster tools instead of search console. I think probably it took about two and a half. Uh, and for the most part, we say search console now. But uh, I'd be interested in knowing how many of you cannot get away from saying webmaster tools. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Google talks indexing images. Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, I think most of us know this, but just in case uh, somebody doesn't, if you have um, a page that's blocked by either no index tag or an X robots no index tag, and that page has images, will putting the no index tag on that page cause the images also to stay out of Google's index? So think about that. I'm going to wait before I give you my answer because I, you know, 
Okay, so the answer here, that was my pause. <laughs> the answer is that if the page is no indexed, the images are also no indexed. But it made me think for a minute. So anything that's on a no indexed page, as long as that's the only page it's on, really should not get into Google's index. I think ultimately, if you wanted to um, make sure that Google was not crawling those images, you might consider putting a robots block on them as well, uh, if you want to keep them out of search. Um, let's see here. Also important to know that for the URL inspection tool in Search Console, formerly known as Webmaster Tools, um, it's not meant for images. Uh, and so I, I've seen lately a few people trying to do uh, URL inspection on just images, and I don't think you're going to get any helpful results from that. There's been an update to the Moz Keyword Explorer, and this looks pretty cool. So according to Brittany Muller, you can now sort and filter keywords by SERP features. Um, and so you can, uh, if you're looking up certain keywords to determine what the difficulty is, uh, what the volume is, the estimated volume um, for how much traffic you're going to get uh, for ranking for these, you can sort them now to show um, just featured snippets, just image results, knowledge cards, uh, site links, a bunch of things like that. So that looks kind interesting. I think that's probably something we're going to play around with um, more in the months to come. Uh, let's talk a little bit again about hidden content on mobile. And I, I feel like I've talked about this so many times that if you have, uh, let's say you have an accordion or something that's hidden behind tabs. And John Mueller has said in the past that with mobile first indexing, that should not cause you ranking problems. Um, and uh, so here's something that we didn't know. One of the things that we do when we're doing um, uh, site review for page quality and we're trying to determine whether Google is actually seeing the content that's behind tabs. So let's say you had like a bunch of reviews that were super helpful and you put them behind a review tab uh, on a product page. And then, um, you know, we'd click on that tab and take text from the review, put it in quotes and search for it uh, on Google. And if we saw that Google had recognized, oh yeah, these words are bolded on this particular page, uh, then we can say, yeah, Google's seeing it. We can't say 100% whether they're giving it full weight. Um, and a lot of the time what we would show, what we would see is that Google could recognize what page it was on, but it wasn't bolding those words. And we would interpret that to mean that the text was given lesser importance. Um, you know, that's probably an assumption that we made. And uh, what um, John Mueller is saying is that uh, I'll read the, the quote here from Glenn Gabe, who's quoting him from uh, the Google Help con uh, Hangout. For content hidden in tabs on mobile pages for mobile first indexing, Google will use that for indexing and ranking, but will not show that in the snippets in the search results. If Google shows it in the snippet, the user should be able to see it on load. That's kind of interesting, right? So I still maintain that if you have content that is potentially going to help the quality of your page, it should not be hidden behind tabs. I think when you hide stuff behind tabs, sometimes it adds a better user experience, but it makes it challenging for search engines to see that you actually have unique and um and helpful content on a page. Um, and often user-generated content like reviews is the stuff that can separate your page from all of the hundreds or thousands of other people that are selling the same product as you. 
Here's an interesting uh, thing that was brought up by Ryan Jones. Uh, Ryan said that he noticed that a lot of ad networks lately are using JavaScript widgets that uh, insert stuff into the head of your document, the head of your um, your HTML, basically. And when this happens, that can break the head of your document and it can make it so that um, certain things are not working. So for example, if there was a bunch of JavaScript in the head, it might make it so that Google doesn't see a canonical tag that is below that JavaScript. So if you have some weird things happening where you can't get pages indexed, or even if pages are you know struggling to rank and it feels like they're really, really being suppressed for some reason, I would take a look at the uh, the code that's in the head of your document um, and see, you know, is there script if there's any sort of a script that's before important information in the head, that needs to go. Uh, really, there shouldn't be scripts in the head, as far as I understand. So um, same thing goes for iframes as well. You really should keep those out of the head of your document. Um, let's see, a couple more things. Uh, this is interesting. Mike Blumenthal uh, noted that... Um, in one of the searches he did, the place on the uh, maps listing that normally says Google posts had been changed to updates. So Google may be changing the word posts to updates. I think that makes sense because I think a lot of people still are confused about uh, Google Plus, even though that doesn't exist. And when I talked about Google posts, they were thinking I was talking about a Google Plus post. Um, updates make sense. I don't think it changes anything in what we do for SEO, but uh, uh, hopefully they will keep this as updates updates rather than posts. Um, Joy Hawkins pointed out that Google My Business Insights does not include data from voice searches. Um, so that's good to know. I do think that voice searches are included in Search Console keywords because every now and then we'll see uh, a keyword that's, you know, okay, Google keyword. And um, I just opened my phone saying that. Uh, when that happens, I think John Mueller said this in the past, that what happens there is somebody has actually said it twice. So if you say, okay, G, and then uh, and then nothing happens, and then you say it again, okay, G, you know, whatever my search is, um, Google's actually heard both of them. And so, uh, so I think in Search Console, you can see your voice queries there. But in Google My Business Insights, they're not in there. Hopefully, we will get that in the future. Um, another really good tip that Joy Hawkins pointed out is if you are asking your own questions on your Google My Business knowledge graph or knowledge panel, um, then uh, you don't want to put a line break in there because it won't actually show. So she gave an example of somebody where the question was, hi, dot, and then a line break and then a, the, the rest of the question was on a new line. The way that that gets displayed in the SERPs, people will not see the question. Um, and same with your answers. So if you want to have something show in the search results, uh, you need to not have line breaks in there. Speaking of Joy, I'm super excited to see that uh, she has... Um, updated her training for local SEO. And uh, when Joy first started doing this, gosh, I think it was a couple years ago now, um, and I was first starting to hire people. And uh, so we had lots of discussion on uh, marketing and, and how to um, uh, just provide a good SEO service because there's so much bad SEO advice out there. And so Joy's somebody that I really, really trust in terms of good SEO advice. Um, and if you do any local SEO, uh, you probably have looked at her guide in the past and it was 
is fairly expensive. So the prices come down significantly. Joy's not asking me to uh, to say any of this. I don't get any sort of kickback. Um, I just think it's really, really good. And uh, I would recommend um, that uh, any of you who do any local SEO work should consider uh, purchasing this guide. Um, so let's talk lastly about this very interesting article by Jason Barnard uh, in Search Engine Journal, and it was called How Google Search Ranking Works, Darwinism in Search. So we debated on whether to include this in the newsletter because there is a lot of theory and guessing in the article. Um, but I still think it was a really good article to write. And this was an article that was sparked from a conversation that Jason and several other SEOs had with Gary Ish at, uh, I think it was SMS in Sydney, Australia. Um, I've been in some of these conversations, not that particular one, but uh, often, you know, if you can get a Google employee talking, they'll tell you a lot of stuff. And I'm assuming, I mean, usually when Gary tells me stuff, he says, he follows it up with, please don't write about this. Um, so obviously Jason didn't have that uh, uh, that disclosure saying, please don't write about this. Um, but uh, so here's the thing, the way I understand it. And please know, um, I'm very careful to say when I'm talking something theoretical, and this is a theory. Uh, so don't go saying, you know, this is what how Marie Haynes says that Google works. Um, it's just a theory here. So what Jason was writing about in this conversation was that Google has many, many ranking factors. He listed seven possible ones. I think probably the list is much more massive. Um, and so let's say that uh, freshness is a ranking factor and, um, you know, the number of times the keyword is on the page is a ranking factor and links are a ranking factor and, you know, all these different things. Each of those gets a score. And then that score, this is according to Gary, that score is multiplied together to get a final score. So let's say you're lacking in an area. Now, Jason's article didn't talk about EAT, but I think this is how EAT plays into effect because we've seen so many sites that have seen massive hits with algorithm updates. So let's say Google changed something in their algorithms to make it so that they found a better way to assess trust. And for whatever reason, they've determined that, oh, you're a medical site and you've got untrustworthy information on here. Um, and so for whatever reason, we don't trust you. So instead of giving you a score out of, I don't know what the scores go to, let's say they go to like 10. Um, instead, instead of giving you a 10, because we lack trust, we're going to give you a decimal score. So maybe they give you like a 0.2. Well, then instead of multiplying everything together, everything gets multiplied by 0.2, which means that it's going to be really challenging for this page to rank unless there aren't better options. Um, and so what Jason was saying was, you know, how do we how do we deal with this? What do we do with this information? Is he saying rather than working on, you know, every little thing that could be improving quality, figure out what it is that the, um, that's the main issue. What is it? If you feel like you're being suppressed, there's got to be something. And in our opinion, a lot of the time it's a trust issue. Uh, if you go to mariehaines.com slash trust, you'll find the article that I wrote on the September 27th, 2018 update. And it talks a lot about the different things that Google has said could be measured as a sign of trust um, or lack of trust. So, you know, I think this whole system is probably way more complicated than we know, uh, but it makes sense to me that if you are seeing a sudden uh, huge drop in rankings, then the things you want to look for are first, did you make any changes on the site? Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me saying like, we think we were hit by Panda or by some big update. And oh, by the way, we just did a site redesign last week. Like, 
usually if you've changed major things on the site, if you changed your URLs, uh, you've been fooling around with your robots.txt, take a look to make sure that you haven't broken something on your site. Okay. And especially if you have a massive site that has a lot of things that need to work together properly. Uh, the very first thing you want to look at with a traffic drop is whether, uh, whether you've made changes. And then we look at things like, um, has there been a, a manual action in the manual actions viewer? You should get an email whenever you get a manual action, but some people have emails from Google blocked uh, for what whatever reason I've seen it happen. So, um, and then if, you know, start looking at things like my algorithm update, if you go to, again, mariehaines.com slash algo, A-L-G-O, you'll get to my post where we list every date that we think is uh, an algorithm update. Um, and so if your drop happens in coincident, coincident timing with a day where we say there was an update, then start looking at that. When we say, oh, we think this update had to do with trust, or in some cases we noticed that all of the sites that saw changes were sites we'd identified as having unnatural link issues, then you know, oh, if I dropped it this time, I should be looking at my links. Now, I want to caution people because, again, we've seen lots of things where people have said, oh, there was an algorithm update on March 12th and my traffic dropped around that same time. It must be due to the update. It's not always, um, but it can be. And so, uh, I, you know, I just I think this article is really interesting. There's a link in the newsletter to uh, where to read it. Um, and I think it's worthwhile for everybody in SEO to just read this. And, you know, I know we're speculating on how Google works and some could argue that that's a waste of time. Um, but I think it's really important if you're dealing with sites that have seen traffic drops. So that's all we've got for this week. Um, I want to thank you. Uh, I mentioned last week that we're starting to take on a few clients for what we call light site quality reviews. And uh, quite a few of you reached out to us. Um, we've signed up a few clients that we're going to be uh, testing this out for. We still have a couple of more spaces um, before we're, we're probably going to close the option of light reviews until we assess how well it works for our team. Um, we want to be able to review a website and you know, see if we can figure out why has traffic dropped or why can you not uh, achieve the rankings that you think you should be able to achieve. Um, and our full review takes us a good two weeks to complete it. Whereas the light review we spend, uh, you have one of my team members spend two full days uh, working on your site and giving out uh, as much as we can, um, but it's nowhere near as extensive as our full review. So if you're interested at all in uh, having our light review done, um, then reach out to us, help at mariehaines.com. Com, and we'll get you a quote for that. Uh, and similarly, we're seeing a bit of an uptick in requests for help with manual actions for unnatural links. I don't know if that means, again, that Google is giving out more of these manual actions or whether, um, you know, we've just uh, beefed up our sales page to make it. I, I hadn't uh, changed it since 2012, I think. So oh, that's really bad, right? That's we need to I need to update my website more often. We've got changes in the works. We've got a lot of changes coming for uh, for the company that I'm pretty excited about. But anyways, I'm babbling on here. If you have a manual action and um, in the past we've only ever done full, you know, we remove it or uh, we haven't done partial consulting, but we are offering that now because now I've got a whole team of people that are really good at this stuff. So uh, if you want to hire us for hourly work to help get rid of a manual action, again, reach out to us and uh, we can talk about making that happen. Um, so let's hope that we don't have too crazy a week. Uh, but again, 
again, it wouldn't surprise me if a big algorithm update is on the horizon, um, especially with these changes uh, to the quality raters guidelines that sort of hint that Google is going to be working on improving their understanding of page quality. So with all of that, I hope you have a fantastic week and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm-hmm.